We the Power, a podcast from Patagonia. We the Power. Hello and welcome to We the Power. This is a brand new three-part podcast from Patagonia. It's all about people power, literally. Community energy by the people and for the people. I'm Lucy Siegel and in this episode, I'm going to meet the people behind the UK's very first community energy project on social housing. Now, when I started out, I didn't actually know that much about community energy. So I'm going to be honest with you from the outset, I am now completely obsessed. And by the end of this, I think you will be too. But let's start at the very beginning. What on earth is community energy and why do we need it? We know what we want. We live here. They don't live here. I say that every time. I say, you know why I bother? Because I live here. So why don't you start things from where we are at the grassroots? We the power. We the power. Why what? Don't, don't they think we can be powerful? That's Agamemnon Atero and Faye Gordon. But before we meet them properly, I'm going to take you way back in time to the late 1880s. We're on Atlantic Road in Brixton in southwest London. A group of traders are packing up their stalls and the gloomy buildings are half illuminated by lamps. And the lamps, well, they're lit by whale blubber. But everything is about to change. It's now 1890. We can do that in a podcast. And this area is causing a buzz across the world because a small electric light station has begun powering the first electric street. They call it Electric Avenue and it still exists today, just near the Loughborough Estate where activist and entrepreneur Agamemnon Otero and retired nurse Faye Gordon created another groundbreaking electricity project. My name is Agamemnon Otero and I'm the chief exec of Energy Garden. I'm Faye Gordon. I'm a resident in the Loughborough Estate, round by Loughborough Junction. One of the founding members of Brixton Energy. It's really nice to be here. We're on Electric Avenue. It's funny, I never really look at the name of it. We just said the Market Street. <laughs> this market was covered. It was a Victorian covered market. and In uh, old... That's the history bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and the, his- the original history bit was that it was the first road in the UK that had Have electricity. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing of energy starts here. In the 1980s, Faye became a fan of the American-French author Susan George, who has written extensively on social justice and a better society. Faye also took her then very young son on a visit to the Centre for Alternative Technology in Wales. Now, this is in West Wales, the Centre for Alternative Technology, and it takes a long time to get there from southwest London. So what I'm saying is Faye really wanted to go. When they got there, they were transfixed by the solar panels that they saw. And Faye became convinced these would help address the chronic poverty she saw around her. The thing that captured me most was the solar panel. When he came to the estate about solar panel, I said, this is what we need on the estate. Clean and, you know, sustainable and... And what what you actually said was... "Ah, 
I've known about this solar panel and I came back from meeting Prince Charles at the Center for Alternative Technology in 1985 and I told the council and they didn't listen. Now you come in and tell me, yes, we're ready. I am ready. And that's what you said to me. And, and I what said, what year was that? That was in 2011. So it's uh, some it years not? later that you Many waited. Many years later, look from the 80s to the 20s. Yeah. What did you think when you met Faye and she said, I've been waiting for you for 20 years? I smiled and I thought, this is exactly where I need to be. At that point, I've been in Brixton for 10 years trying to figure out how do you make a difference. Susan George's work, How the Other Half Die. That was actually the initiative for this. How do you make resilience happen in cities? Empower people through agency. And the way that we wanted to do that was through building co-ops. And where better to start than where electricity had first made its way on Electric Avenue? Loughborough State is right there. In 2011, Agamemnon knocked on Faye's door. 20 years later, here's a guy who is also a big fan of Susan George and he's also talking about solar panels and social justice. What are the chances? Yes, there was a spark, a connection. But for Agamemnon, community energy is all about finding the right people and then helping them navigate the red tape. And in the projects he's run, that person is invariably a woman. Any one of the projects that I've helped develop, eight energy co-ops across London, each one is hung off of a matriarch who have put their foot down and said, this is what I believe in and I will stand for it. All I did was help to drive a business case, get everyone's signatures and say, look, here's the masculine way of thinking this through. We had to fight officer after officer after officer. But that was the first project. But what was their primary objection? They think that everybody outside there that wants something done for the people are thieves. That's all they think. I've met them, so I can tell you, individually, Agamemnon, often known as Aga by the people he works with on community energy, and Faye are each a force to be reckoned with. Together, they brought clean, green energy to Faye's home on the Loughborough estate in Brixton using solar panels. They then put the profits back into the community and they engaged people on the estate to reduce their energy costs. So today, after seven years, Brixton Energy is now trialling storage of the energy they produce in batteries so they can use their own energy when they need it. I couldn't wait to see these famous solar panels. There's um, 10 kilowatts on this roof. It basically generates around 40 kilowatt hours a day. But it's linked in, there's five roofs all together that make this co-op of these houses. And then there's another co-op over there. So collectively, they make around 70,000 kilowatt hours a year on these buildings. And what does that do? What does that give you? So in this building, the internal lighting, and, and then we're um, trialing, actually directly giving it to them and putting some batteries on the roof where we can actually give them the energy directly. And it's a trial. It's a, we've had to fight for seven years to get a sandbox trial with the government. Now, at this point in the story, I think it's super important to remember why Faye wanted those solar panels back in the day and why she and Agamemnon worked so hard to make the Loughborough project happen. She wanted to keep warm. And she wanted to help her neighbours to keep warm because they were paying over the odds for their energy with many on key cards. People didn't realise I didn't have central heating in where I, I, I was in the old Loughborough first, Wait, the four brown bricks. you didn't have bricks. any central heating? No. 
We didn't have centralism. was one of the worst estates in London. You're having 60 deaths a year to co-related issues. When we got there, Faye had um, done some draft proofing, but there were holes in the walls. There was no central heating. Everybody was on pay-as-you-go meters. Pay-as-you-go meters are up to 60% more. So in 2012, Agamemnon and Faye helped repowering UK put in 82 kilowatts of solar energy in Brixton. But it wasn't just about the installation or the yield for the people who invested, or even just about creating renewable energy for the community to use in communal areas. Faye's real motivation was the opportunity to provide something for the young people in her community. Solar panels provided the energy, but youth training programmes were the ultimate aim. What I wanted them to learn is how to read the thing, how to know how much they use, how you can, you know, economise on it and so on. And these things could lead to the kind of jobs they decide they'll choose. Are they going to go into energy or whatever? They're going to be electricians or heating engineer, whatever. I'm always about the youngsters. Yeah, yeah. And do you think the youngsters are, are concerned about climate change? Yes, some are. You said, what does it actually give to this buildings? The most thing it gives them is a voice to say, we are in control of our revenue stream. You can't tell us what to do. That's why we were doing it. And it's also why we're trying to build bigger projects where yeah. we have proper amounts of money. And in the meantime, I personally think we should be out teaching people, talking to them and teaching them, do your direct debit so that you don't have to pay that when you put the, the pay is, as you go. But this is literally what her son now does in our organization. Right. So he literally does that. He is down here. He's paid three, four days a week to be on this estate to tell mm -hmm. them you can get energy efficiency advice, you can get debt management and get energy efficiency measures put into your home. That's, that's his job now. The end result seems to be a win for everyone. Clean energy, profits fed into the community, a decent return for investors, and training opportunities where they're needed most. Power to the people. But what I want to find out is why Agamemnon wanted to build an energy system and how he did it. Now, I assumed it would go like this. You get the community involved, you get permission from the building owners, you get investment and community buy-in, you buy the solar panels, you attach them to communal areas, they feed into the grid, you agree the tariffs and you turn it on. Um, no. For Agamemnon, it starts with a party. Initially, you go out and you use simple things, food, music, dance, culture. You use those things to engage with individual members of that community and they step forward and, and will tell you what's going on in their community. They will communicate what the problems are. When that happens, you have the opportunity to share a model. And then each step with the finance, the technical, the legal, and how we market that out, that nine-stage process can then enable people to deliver a community energy project, which has social and environmental outcomes, whether it's in some cases a garden and solar panels or a green wall or education or energy switching, whatever the needs are of that community. That's when you can then refine those things and embed them into the cooperative share offer. 
Bricks and Energy Solar 1, 2, 3, Voxel, Bannister House, Energy Garden are all hinged off of dynamic, amazing people. Um, and they are at the heart of the project because the project is only an engine, right? We're trying to get people to resilience. What does that mean? I don't want smart cities. I want socially smart cities. I want to help facilitate people's journeys so they can do the stuff for themselves that they've always been doing, but have some financial mechanism behind them and a governance structure which allows the right thing to be done. It says, we the people, we are the power. We the power. Ah, I see where he's coming from. For him, community energy provides the financial structure to get to the root of big problems. When I came to Brixton, all I wanted to do was make sure that the 10-year-old boy who I found stomping a tomato plant knew that the aggression that has been pushed upon him was the same thing that I felt when I was a kid. Effectively, he was stomping a tomato plant just like he was feeling stomped on by society. If society then comes around, rallies around him when he's trying to plant things or in his life, then he wants to see things grow too. So it's really around how do you build nurturing systems? A fantastic vehicle for that is these cooperatives or community benefit societies. Okay, so let me just fill you in on Agamemnon's backstory at this point because it is pretty spectacular. He was born in Uruguay, grew up in New York, has survived cancer twice, once at the age of 18 and once at 26. He has a lot of qualifications, including in pre-medicine, maths and architecture. He also had a successful career as an artist. Oh, and he lives on a former North Sea fishing boat on the River Thames with solar panels. But the point is, for Agamemnon, it's all about the type of cooperative culture he grew up around in New York. Community energy networks create citywide resilience, as he sees it. These are networks centred around amazing women. But how do you get a project up and running? Do you have to actually, well, be Agamemnon? When you're starting new things and innovating There are a lot of closed doors, but there are always people out there who can see the value of it if you can find them. (laughs) So there might have been people along the way in management officers who were like, uh, you know, do we need to have a business case? How can we make this work? Are you sure they're not about, you know, who's done due diligence on these people? Are they going to steal money? You need to have a good business case. You need to have a business plan and you have to be patient. A lot of these times you have to sit to a council or to to the train operators. Look, I know you've never put solar panels on your roof before. You've never allowed gardening to be in your herbaceous spaces in front of your estate. But we have an idea. And what would be the process for us to enable this transformation of your space? And then you start to get down to it. Well, you need to have the risk assessment and RAMs. You need to have a business case. And oh, yeah, do you have a template of that? And then they sort of go, oh, okay, fine. Well, the process is this. You should talk to John in, in management. And, you know, this is the risk assessments that you'll need to fill out. That's how you get there. You ask the question and then you listen. It's not you doing something. It's you being and listening. That's how you get there. You're listening to We The Power Renewable Community Energy in Action by Patagonia. So Brixton was proof that the concept worked. Remember, it was the first community energy on social housing and it had worked. 
Then came Brixton Energy 2 and 3, and with it the chance for 10 young people to be properly trained up on energy. But new Repowering UK wanted to think bigger. In 2015, Agamemnon was asked to bring community energy to Bannister House in Homerton, a district of East London. Now, when Bannister House was built in 1935, it was considered the last word in modern housing, certainly by the local council official who cut the ribbon. But by 2015, the housing stock was tired. And for decades, residents of Bannister House had faced a stark decision each winter, heat or eat. Well, let's meet Leela Fortunato, another awesome woman who ended up being at the heart of what happened next. So the the property I lived in on the other side, there was one, it was a one bedroom property and it had like a little fire, I don't even know what you call it, these old fashioned fire things on the wall in the sitting room. And that was it. So there was no heating in the rest of the flat. And this is 1996. I moved in there. Yeah, so I would describe those, it smells and feels like it's setting fire to all the dust in yes, the area. Yeah. And there's not much heat that comes yeah, off it. That's exactly it's like it. one of those. Yeah. yeah. My two young, oldest children were born there. Um, so we were all sort of crammed into the room. And then in the, what would happen is that you'd wake up in the morning and all the water was sort of dripping down. So there's condensation coming down the whole sides of the walls. I had used to have to put all my clothes inside, you know, the plastic you get from the dry cleaning because everything would be wet and mouldy. It was just really, really cold all the time. And then, you know, the, and the, the mould, you're just trying to stay ahead of the mould. And I, I'm just shocked to hear that people... When I talk to people over there, this is still going on. They're still having the same problems. Should I, well, you know, what do you do? Do we eat or do we heat? And even when I became a teacher and I was earning a better wage, and, you know, it was still this situation where I had to be really frugal with the heat. So the initiatives where, for example, someone would come into your house and they would do an energy audit on your home, that was something that I, I took advantage of myself. And then having the workshops where you go to the community hall and there's an expert there telling you, you know, how do you change energy supplier, for example, or how do you use these gadgets? So all of that combined definitely helped me to reduce my energy bills. Okay, let's let, that makes a lot of sense. Let's learn a little bit more about you. So you are a teacher, you're a history teacher. You've got children. Working in as a teaching assistant and working locally, you really get to understand what's going on with the young people. You know, look at how un- disengaged they are. Here are some of the problems. Because also when I moved here, it was really, there was a lot of crime around here as well. Much more so than what it is now especially boys, young black boys in particular, getting roughed up by the police. It was such a common thing. You know, you'd see, like, you know, someone had been stabbed. You know, it's people getting shot on the high street down um, by Lower Clapton Road. And I didn't want my children to kind of get drawn into all of that. For me, it was all about the kids and it was all about the community. Also, all about... He made a really big thing about the fact that, well, you know, you have the voice, you're going to be helping to drive things forward. So it's not like we're coming in telling you what to do. It's something that's going to empower you. Okay, so at the beginning, Leela needed a little bit of persuading. I think once you start to believe in something and you can see how it's benefiting the, the, the community and how it will benefit the community. And as I said, particularly young people, seeing them engaged, seeing them doing something positive that's going to help them in the future, that's going to help them, you know, put something they could put in their CVs, giving them cultural capital. All of those kind of things are the things that kind of made me really believe that we could get this done and that this is something that, you know, we really needed. How did this project change life 
for your family? I think, oh gosh, so where do I start? <laughs> the children, I, look, I noticed the change in their behaviour. That's the first thing. They suddenly became more concerned about their neighbourhood, about their, their, their community. Um, they became more communicative. So especially teens, you know, you talk to them and they just grunt back at you. They became more articulate, more interested in things going on around. And also they brought their friends along as well. Also, the, the whole thing that we're doing something together as a family. So it wasn't just the children doing it. It wasn't just me doing it. It was something we were all doing together. They'd get involved in things like the, the share offer. My son would speak. Some, um, spoke a few times at the share offer events. Or like my daughter came to the Houses of Parliament when we, we, we spoke at one of the committees. So it was something that we were all involved in and believed in together. One of the things that was really difficult at the time, particularly when, when we were starting, was Anne was really concerned about other young people from another estate who were dealing coming onto the estate. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I'll ask them to join the internship training. And I said, look, I'm going to pay you guys to learn. And no one else is out there is going to pay you to learn about the finance, IT, technical. I'm going to put you in front of directors of banks and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that you can talk to them about finance and I'm also going to tell them that you can say that you're having an impact on where, the fact that I can't buy a house because you're inflating the prices of, for things. Some of them left I mean, within a couple of times because it was about showing up and learning the subject matter. The other kids who knew their mothers might smack around the back of the head if they didn't show up at that opportunity stayed. And those ones then had the opportunity to sit in front of, and, and we were, Leal and I were talking about this the other day, directors of, of HSBC. And it was amazing because they knew the subject of why the prices and of houses were going up. And they knew that the, how the financial sector was inflating those prices and they grilled them. And the smile on the face of Jaleel and his friends to be able to communicate, to articulate the problems and communicate it to the man really changed the way they felt around their energy systems and around their houses. Every place they've interviewed, every co whether it's a college or a job, every employer has been excited about, oh, wow, you did this project, you were on the project, what did you learn? What, you know, and, and the fact that they can actually articulate and talk about those things. But I think it's also the fact that they were given the confidence you know, and the fact that their voices were heard has given them the, the sort of the confidence to say, yes, I can do this and I can do that and I can try lots of different things and the avenues are open to me. I don't think they had that before they went on this internship. How much do you have to sell the idea? Maybe not so much at this point, but you've obviously had to get um, your neighbours to be involved in this, get the community to be involved in this. First of all, you have to empathise. And, you know, one of the things I learned is, you know, don't go and talk to people with my work clothes on because they think that I'm from the council and they shut down immediately. Go with my hoodie and my jeans. You know, the fact that I've been through what a lot of people are going through, you know, you connect with people straight away. And then the, being able to sort of come up with something that can help to address some of those things, like, you know, through the um, the energy saving projects that we, we include in the project. Because the first pe question people will ask is, you know, how's it going to help me? Because the reality is, if you're just trying to put food on the table, you know, you might say, yes, climate change is important, but it's not your first um, priority. And when you start talking to people and listening to what their needs are and trying to find a way to solve it, you know, you're going to get much more out of people rather than I think a lot of people feel like they're always being talked at being told this is what you need, this is what you should do. You've got to work in with people and empower people. 
So, you know, when people feel empowered, that is a way of them wanting to be more involved. You know, I got so much out of it in terms of the fact that I'm helping my community all the skills that I was gaining and working with brilliant people like Aga who are really inspirational and, and helping you to get the best out of yourself. You're also um, developing your skills. So for me, you know, I went on to get promotion, for example, as a year lead, I, I've gone on to open my own business. I'm not sure how quickly I would have gone on and done those things had I not gained the skills and the knowledge and the confidence through all of the work that we did in Bannister House Solar. To me, anybody, if I could have done it, <laughs> And I'm still growing and learning. Anybody could do that, I think. (laughs) So far, Repowering UK has the first community energy on social housing and the first renewable energy trading within communities. Quite good. But of course, that isn't enough. What else do we all need in cities that also uses loads of energy, therefore causing a huge climate footprint? Yes, it is transport. Well done if you got that. Energy gardens are community energy projects based around train stations. And if you're ever in London, keep an eye out. If you jumped on a train at King's Cross, you'd see many different houses and buildings going past. But every once in a while, you'd see this sort of green oasis and you'd pull into a station and there would be pots and flowers popping out. There might be some solar panels on the wall or on the roof. And then there might be a couple phones stuck up underneath the solar panels charging. All this is generating energy, which is going in and supporting the rail. And that revenue that the rail pays for it then supports the community initiatives, the schools programs, the paid accredited youth training programs that Leela's son and daughters have gone on. They are supporting the gardens growing. They're supporting education around health and well-being. They're a part of a whole network which is actually addressing the systemic issue, which is that 30% of the UK's emissions come from, from the transport sector, and this is directly reducing the transport sector's emissions. OK, I'm not going to make lots of transport puns here, but I am going to make one. We've travelled quite a distance in this episode of We The Power already. Sorry. So what needs to happen next in order to achieve all of this good stuff at scale? Well, I'm guessing it's going to involve cooperation. Agamemnon, tell us. When cooperatives come together and you have these one vote, one shares, and you're using that hive mind mentality to come up with solutions to surmount these huge, difficult issues, the solutions are clear because people, regardless of the amount of money they have, have one vote. So... I say, bring in the big guns. Yeah, okay. TFL, Network Rail, NHS, GTR, whoever they are, you might say, oh, well, those big guys are going to have more say than the little guys, and that's not longer community energy. That is not the case, because the whole governance structure is built to make equality, to create integrity of decisions so that everyone's voice is heard. And that's why this is as much community energy as a little project on social housing of 50 kilowatts. Even though it might be 50 megawatts, it's still one vote, one shareholding. And that's why it's so important that this is not a, um, a limited company, that it's a community benefit society, that it's, you know, it benefits more than just the community, it benefits the greater community. And then the hive mind, they become part of the hive mind. If you want to find out more about how to join or start your own community energy project, then patagonia.com forward slash we the power has all the info you need. 
we need a scaled solution for this for the problems that we're facing. And a lot of the problems out there are not yours. For this whole starts with forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself. You didn't do anything wrong. And if you did, we can make this right. We need to get together and make these solutions happen now. Thinking about the problems that we face, you need to think about them in a local context and realize that they impact globally. Or think locally, act globally. But really, these community energy projects give you a chance to demonstrate solutions on your local scale, which are all encompassing, not just energy, not just uh, gardens, you know, air quality, biodiversity, you can be the change. You have the power to do that. That's when we get to we get to the real crux of what community energy is. It's not just solar panels or energy or wind turbines. It's community energy. It's human dynamism. It's the power in people. We the power. Well, that was the first episode of We the Power, brought to you by Patagonia with me, Lucy Siegel. Thank you, Faye Gordon, Lila Fortunato, and of course, Agamemnon Otero. Thank you also to our lovely producer, Helen Leonard, and to Grayson Shipley, a.k.a. Gray Swan, for the music, which I love. If that was your first encounter with Community Energy, I hope you're crackling with excitement. Now, to find out more, check out the Patagonia website. It is full of resources. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking to two heroes of mine and there'll be lots more electricity puns as well. I'm going to speak to Mary Robinson, the former president of Ireland and climate justice supremo, and the Dutch activist Marianne Menesma, who rallied 900 fellow citizens and took the Dutch government to court when they failed to meet climate goals. They'll be telling us how to hold governmental power to account so that we can actually have community energy. That's the next episode of We The Power. I cannot wait to reconnect. You have been listening to We The Power, a podcast from Patagonia. For more information, visit patagonia.com slash we the power. We The Power!